You'll turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 26. We'll be in Genesis chapter 26, verses 1 through 25 this morning. As I begin to read this text, I want to remind you that we've moved on from Abraham to Isaac. And the reason I feel like I need to remind you of that is because you're going to feel like we're reading Abraham's story again. Though we have new faces, we're going to see the exact same mistakes. And so today's text might seem like a bit of deja vu, like something we've already gone over before. It's not the story of Abraham, it's the story of Isaac, but it's going to mirror the story of his father before him, so much so that this passage is actually extremely repetitive. And so if you're reading through your Bible in a year, or you're reading through Genesis, you might be tempted to skip through it without much thought. It's so similar to others, uh, at least the story of Abraham. But we ought to pause, think about why God would repeat himself like this. Isaac will live to be well over 100 years old pushing 200 when he dies. Why, out of all those years of his life, would God pick this story to repeat, the one that was exactly like the story of Abraham? And the Holy Spirit is an excellent author. In fact, he's the best-selling author of all time. So he knows how to write a narrative. He knows that it might be boring for us to hear the same story repeated. So why would he do that? We're going to allow this passage this morning to slow us down a little bit. Think about why God, the Holy Spirit, would have us Repeat these things. So I'm going to begin reading in Genesis chapter 26, verse 1. Now there was a famine in the land, besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give these lands. And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. And I will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac settled in Gerar. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, She is my sister. For he feared to say my wife, thinking, Lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. When he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she's your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I thought lest I die because of her. Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, Whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. And Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich. And gained more and more until he became very wealthy. And he had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. 
So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells that his father had dug in the days of Abraham his father, which the Philistines stopped up after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there was a well of spring of water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, This water is ours. And so he called the name of the well Essek, because they contended with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that well also. And he named the name of that well Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well. And this time they didn't quarrel over it. So he called the name of this well Rehoboth. For, saying, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. So this is the story. So this is a new story, even though this is Abraham, I mean, even though this is Isaac and not Abraham. The circumstances of his life are exactly the same. In fact, what I think God wants us to see here in this passage from Isaac to Abraham is that even though Isaac is the child of promise, right? This is the one God promised. And Abraham and Sarah, this is their son, Laughter. And through him, all the world would laugh with them, right? Even though you think that after Abraham passes on, having never gotten anything in the promised land except for the tomb in which he and Sarah were buried. But now that Isaac has it, you know, things are going to take off. This guy's the child of promise. But instead, Isaac's circumstances are no easier or no better than Abraham, his father's. Abraham left Ur of the Chaldeans for a promised land that he sojourned in for over a hundred years and didn't get anything but the tomb. And now his son Isaac is going to go through the exact same journey. The first event we see in the life of Isaac is very similar to something that happened in the life of Abraham. The Bible says that there was a famine in the land. Now God has called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldeans to go to a land of fruit and honey. Isn't that what the Bible talks about? The promised lands, the land of fruit and honey. And he gets here... And Isaac and Abraham gets there and a famine runs him out twice. And Isaac gets here in the land of fruit and honey, which is promised to him. And it is a time of famine. He would have starved to death if he had stayed in the land that God sent him to. And so he had to leave. Think about that. God has given to him a land. And this land becomes so desolate that he can't even live there. Now, what kind of promise is that? Ask yourself that question. And he goes, because the famine is so great, he has to leave. He takes his family and he goes to the land of the Philistines and apparently was ready to go into the land of Egypt. And God stops him and says, listen, you've got to live in this land. Don't go down to Egypt. You have to live here, in this land. Amongst people you don't trust, amongst people you're afraid might kill you on account of your wife. This is how life is. It's how life is for Isaac. It's how life's going to be for you. It's how life was for Abraham. We do our very best as parents, don't we? We do our very best to raise our children so that they might not have the same struggles that we had when we were growing up. Now, every single parent can say that because you can think back to the struggles that you had when you were growing up and you get determined in your life that my children are going to have better opportunities. And here's the deal. When you die, your, your children are going to have the same struggles you did. 
They might have more money. They might have better jobs. They might have more opportunities. But the things that are real in life, they are going to go through the same stuff that you went through. We cannot protect them for that. We hope that they will avoid some of the difficulties that we face only to see them experience the same hardships that you have experienced. Your parents saw it in you. Even though they worked hard to give you opportunities, you will still have similar struggles that they faced. And so our duty here as parents, as Abraham passed on to Isaac, Isaac will pass on to Jacob. Our job as parents, our job as disciple makers, our jobs as friends is not to shield people from the world out there and the problems that will arise. You cannot do that. In fact, if you're a parent today and you're trying to protect your children from the world, that is your main goal, you're going to be a nervous wreck because they go into the world like it or not. That is not your job to protect them from the world. Your job is to prepare them for the world they're going into so that when they hit those troubles, when they hit those times, they will be able by faith to overcome the world. Is that not what Jesus said we're supposed to do? To overcome the world? Fear not, for I have overcome the world, Jesus said. And he has given to us to overcome the world as well. The reason that the author of Genesis puts Isaac's time in famine, goes down into the land of the Philistines with people who are constantly bothering him, same thing that happened to Abraham, right? Back in Genesis chapter 15, back in Genesis chapter 14, he comes into the land, his buddy, excuse me, wasn't his buddy, his nephew, gets kidnapped in a war. Sodom and Gomorrah gets destroyed. Abraham goes out and beats those armies, comes back. And in Genesis 15, he's worried and afraid because all the people that he's had to fight that lived around him are a problem. He's got run out of Egypt because he gave to Pharaoh his wife. And Pharaoh sent him away. He goes to Abimelech. Not the same Abimelech, probably. This is a title. It means my father is the king, by the way. Abimelech means that. So he goes and gives Abimelech his wife and gets run out of that land. And now Isaac is repeating the exact same mistake. Learned it from his father. And so to prepare our children, our job is not to scramble around in desperation, trying to keep our children, our friends, our family from trouble in the world. Jesus said, and Paul said, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But I give to you my peace. And Paul said, all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will face persecution. Trouble is coming. Prepare them for it. Give them the tools of faith that they will need to overcome the world. Isaac is over here in the land of, of Abimelech. And we're going to talk about his sin being the same as his father's. But he's over there working hard, digging wells in the desert in a time of famine. Every time he digs a well, these other shepherds come by run them off, plug up the wells that his dad's already dug. When he digs another well, they come in and move in on his claim and take it. Two times this happens. Not an easy time. Not on, and on top of all that, God is blessing him with things. And instead of people rejoicing with him, his neighbors only become jealous. And so Isaac, seeing that these people are not always so nice, he sins in the same way as his father. So not only are Isaac's circumstances the same as Abraham's, his sins are the same as Abraham. He goes into the land of Gerar and he says, hey, I'm going to tell everybody you're my sister. Now this is an even worse lie than his dad told, right? At least when Abraham told people Sarah was his sister, she was his half-sister. Isaac and Rebekah are only cousins. <laughs> Listen, Things work different in the Old Testament. I don't know what they're doing. It's, 
Later on, God will give them the law of Moses, and we'll get that stuff sorted out. But for now, Isaac is married to Rebekah. We do not condone that in the state of Alabama, despite what our reputation might say. Okay? We spend a lot of time in our lives preparing our children, perhaps ourselves, from the trouble of the world. We hope that our children won't see the hardships that we saw. We also hope that they won't repeat our mistakes. <laughs> and then they do it. How many of you have grown up only to find, to your great dismay, that you have become your father or your mother? Things that you swore with a solemn oath, with an uplifted hand as a teenager who knew everything on earth. I will never say that. And yet, you find yourself not only acting like your parents, but saying the same words that they said. This will happen to you. Also, be very careful. When you see other people's children, you'll say things like, my children will never do that. Or if my kids do that, I would do this. And then you have children, and then you realize what a dummy you were as a youngster. We try to keep our children from making the same mistakes our, we do, the same sins, and yet they follow in our footsteps. That's exactly what Isaac did. Abraham's dead and gone, and he's telling the same lie his daddy told for the same fear that his daddy feared. Listen to me. This is sad. Do you know that the thing that you fear, you will pass on to your children? If you are afraid of this world, and you feel like this world is a dirty, rotten place that will contaminate you, you will pass that fear on to your children. Instead of them being able to be brave trailblazers for the sake of Jesus, not fearing a single thing except God, you will put your fears in their heart. And that's what fear was in Isaac's heart. Abraham was afraid he was going to be killed on account of his wife. Isaac was afraid he was going to be killed on account of his wife. So we all need to do some heart-checking. What are you afraid of? Because whatever you're afraid of, you will pass that on to others. It doesn't have to be just your children. Your co-workers will know what you're afraid of. Your friends will know what you're afraid of. Your, the people you try to disciple and influence for the gospel, they all know what you're afraid of. And fear will run our lives, and we will pass it on to others. What we're seeing here is the same song, third verse. Abraham gave away Sarah twice, saying, She is my sister. Isaac will give away Rebekah saying, she is my sister. Isaac was more fortunate. No one swooped in and took Rebekah to be their wife. But Abimelech one day is looking out the window and he sees Isaac and Rebekah laughing together. Now this is again a play on words because Isaac's name means laughter, right? He saw laughter laughing with his wife. And it wasn't just that they were out there telling jokes. Like they were flirting. That's what this means. They were doing things that husband and wife do. Abimelech looked down and said, uh, I don't think that's his sister. <laughs> and so he calls them in. And look, this is, this is teaching us something too. Even though there's wickedness in the land, even though they're stopping up these wells, and even though they're doing these bad things, what the Bible is teaching us here is that they're not all bad. And in fact, in this case, Abimelech is more righteous than Isaac. We go back to the Abimelech that Abraham was confronted with. Remember, he brought in Sarah to be his wife, and God warns him in a vision and says, you are a dead man because of this man's wife. And Abimelech goes, hey, I didn't know it was his wife. And God says, I know you didn't know her. I'd already killed you. He said, but if you don't give her, her back, you're dead, and everybody in your house is going to die. And so Abimelech gives her back and is like, why did you do this? 
Why would you bring this sin upon us? God, the God of Israel, came and told me. And he's like, oh, you talked to God? I thought there was no fear of the Lord in this place. And so that's what I did. This Abimelech doesn't even need a vision from God. He looks out the window and says, that is his wife. You come in here. Why did you do this? You could have gotten us in trouble. You could have caused us to sin, a great sin. And Isaac says, I was afraid. And Abimelech says, whoever touches this man's wife will surely be put to death. That's the same word that the Lord gave to Abimelech. Abimelech was living righteously. And so even though Isaac was afraid that these people would kill him on behalf of his wife, you know what? It turns out that Abimelech was more righteous than Isaac. And so yes, he has trouble out there in the world. Yes, he has trouble with them stopping up his well. Later, Abimelech and Isaac will make a treaty. They will say, okay, you come here. This will be your spot. This will be my spot. And we'll leave each other alone. Just because you have trouble with people in the world doesn't mean that everybody is so wicked. You shouldn't just hide in your house or whatever, trying to avoid the world. The point here is that not only does Isaac have the same circumstance troubles that Abraham has, he has the same sin troubles. And brothers and sisters, you're going through the same problems your parents had. Your kids are going to go through the same problems you have. That's just how life is. We are supposed to be preparing them for the difficulties and the trials that come. One of the greatest uh, pieces of advice I've ever been given as a pastor, when, they, when I went in the pastorate, a wise pastor said, this is what you need to do. Prepare your people to suffer. Now, hopefully that doesn't mean under my preaching. But what it does mean is this. Every single person inside this room is going to suffer. Every one of us are going to sin and need grace and forgiveness. Every single one of us. We need to prepare one another to be able to confess and come clean and to forgive one another when we trespass. And every single one of us is going to go through trouble. You're going to get sick. Everybody in this room is going to, just about everybody in this room, if we live long enough, we're going to get sick to a place we're not going to recover. How are you going to be ready for that? Every single person in this room is going to lose a loved one if you live long enough. How will you be prepared for that? Lots of us will lose jobs and won't know which way to look. How will you be prepared for that? No matter parents, no matter friends, how much you try to shield your friends and family from these things, they're coming for all of us. We need to be ready. By faith, we can move on through these things. So circumstances are the same as Abraham's. Sins are the same as Abraham's, but here's the good news. Promises are the same as Abraham's. Now, this is the good news. Look very carefully at verses 3 through 5. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands. And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands. Oh, look, the sins and the circumstances are the same verse, but so are the promises. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. This is Abraham's promise, and he is Abraham's seed. Because Now, here's something that needs to trip us up a little bit. Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Now, that is interesting. In fact, that line is so interesting, it, it tripped up 
the rabbis, medieval rabbis. You can read Rashi. You can meet, read other of uh, Jude. These are, these are Jews who stayed in Judaism. When they read this, they say, wait a minute. This is the exact same thing that's written in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 1. After God had given the law through Moses, he says that you are to keep my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. What, Abraham is, what God is saying of Abraham is, is that he kept the law of Moses. Now, how can Abraham keep the law of Moses when the law of Moses has not been given until 500 years in the future? How can it be said of Abraham, who we know broke the law? After all, he did marry his half-sister. That's against the law. Not only that, but he lied and bore false witness, and also he gave his wife away, which is also against the law of Moses. But yet God here says that Abraham has kept the law of Moses, having neither heard it nor kept it. And this is what gets us to the good news. The promises are the same. You see, Abraham did not keep the law by being perfect according to the law. The Bible says... Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Listen to me. The way you become a child of Abraham is by faith and not by works. The way we emulate Father Abraham is not by keeping the law of Moses, as in we've got to keep all the commandments without breaking one. No, the Bible says that if we believe God, it will be credited to us as righteousness, and we will be the children of God. The same way you and I go to heaven is the same way that Abraham goes to heaven, by faith in the Messiah of God. You say, Abraham didn't know the law of Moses, but he did know Jesus. How do I know that? Because Jesus said so. Jesus said, Abraham saw my day, and he rejoiced in it. Abraham knew that the seed of the woman, Eve, would come and crush the head of the serpent. Abraham knew that when God promised him a seed that through whom would bless all nations, he knew that he was talking about the one who would come to crush the works of Satan. And because Abraham believed that, God credited him as righteousness. And one day, if you believe in the risen Savior, the risen Jesus Christ, when you get to heaven, it will be said of you, kept all my laws, all my statutes, all my commands. Perfect, without one blemish. Why? Because the righteousness of the greater Abraham, the son of Abraham, Jesus Christ, did keep all the law on our behalf. And that is how, through Abraham, all nations become blessed. God has given us promises that if we love him, he will do things for us. Jesus himself, in Matthew chapter 5, look, God had given to Abraham some great promises, and he passes those promises on to Isaac, and he passes those promises on to you and me. We are the children of Abraham. What are the promises that God has given to us? What have you been given? What are the promises that will help you live in this land where wickedness abounds, where people will try to come and snatch the good from you, where any minute death could take something from you that you love or sickness or sorrow or pain? What are the promises that God has given you so that you can continue on in faith? What has God given to you, child of Abraham? Maybe you feel tired and poor. Maybe you are wore out. Jesus made a promise to you. 
He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is yours. It's a promise that God has given to the poor in spirit. Perhaps you are sad this morning and mourn. Maybe things have happened to you that have crushed you, made you sad, broken your heart. Jesus has a promise for you. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Jesus has a promise for you. He had a promise for Abraham. He has a promise for Isaac. And he has a promise for all his children. Maybe you are humiliated. Maybe you feel meek, as the Bible says, broken. The Bible says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Listen, it's not just the land anymore. The promise has gotten bigger. God is not giving to the children of Abraham only that little square mileage on the east coast of the Mediterranean, but he has promised to them all the earth and heaven besides. The promises are yours. Maybe you feel like you are not worthy of God, that you are a sinner, and that's right. But you are not worthy of his promises and call. You are not worthy in yourself. Through Christ we will be. And Jesus said this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. Satisfied with righteousness. Not of your own but of Christ's. We will never look inside and find their righteousness that will make us happy. But if we look at his and realize it has been imputed to us. We can be. These are the promises that God has given to Abraham's children. Maybe you feel like you're in constant turmoil and you are trying all the time to make peace with people who are insisting on feuding with one another. You see the world becoming polarized before our very eyes. We're polarized rich and poor and different race and people putting one another down and you feel like it is a constant pressure and burden on your life and soul. Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall receive mercy. God will call them the sons of God. Don't grow weary of doing good. For if you do not grow weary in due season, you shall reap a bountiful harvest. These promises are for you. You see, I'm not trying to hide you from the world. Jesus said, you don't take a candle and put it under a bushel. You put it on a stand for people to see. I can't shield you. From the terrors that lie outside this place. I cannot save you from death. I cannot save you from sorrow. I cannot save you from pain. But I can give you the instruments to vanquish them. I can give you through God's word the things that will keep you going through these times. Abraham wandered in a land that was supposed to be his for over a hundred years and never received it. And having died he left his child Isaac the promise and he himself will not receive it either. He will be an alien, a sojourner in the land until he dies. And maybe when you do all this work for Jesus, people don't like you. People revile you. Don't listen to your word. Think you're crazy. The Bible says rejoice and be glad in that day, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets before you. The reason that we are given these passages of repetition is to remind us that as it was for Abraham, so it will be for Isaac, so it will be for Jacob. He will have struggles. God will just simply 
give us more in the narrative. Isaac is not going to play a big role in the narrative of Genesis, but what we are to learn of him is this. As it was for Abraham, so it was for Isaac. As it was for your parents, so it will be for yours, for you. In fact, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, what does the wise Solomon say? There's nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. Brothers and sisters, we've been given some great promises from God. We have been told we are children of Abraham, that by faith in Christ, all the promises of God are yes and amen. Whatever you're going through, whatever is happening in your life, cling to those promises, even when those shepherds come and steal your well. (laughs) Even when they stop them up, even when they run you out of the land and say, go away from us, you are too mighty for us. Even when they're jealous and envious, even when people don't listen. And remember, the world is not full of one-dimensional villains. It's full of people who don't know the Lord and need to know about what we've just rejoiced in this morning. And there are those who do know the Lord that you may think don't. And they may surprise you. And what they do and say. Go out there fearlessly. Fear only God. And know this. He was faithful to Abraham all the days of his life. He will be faithful to Isaac all the day of his life. And from this day till the end of your days. When you draw your last breath. God will have been with you every step of the way. Never forget that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray this morning that you will be with us, that you will help us. Lord, you know what kind of trouble lives in this world. Your son, Jesus Christ, Father, said in this world you will have trouble, but I give you my peace. You promised us, Father, through your son, that where he is, there we may be also. And so, Lord, I pray, oh God, help us to cling to the promises of Christ. If there's someone here, Lord, whose heart has never embraced the beauty of the risen Lord. For whatever reason, whatever problem, however it is that Satan has caused the weeds to grow up and choke out the gospel, however it is that the Satan has come and snatched away the beautiful gospel like birds of the air snatching seed, we pray today it will take root and grow. That people will come to Christ who don't know Him, that they might be saved. God, help us. God, be with us. And help us as we go out into the world to be like stars in the sky, like sand on the seashore, like hope in a dying world. Let us be good and faithful sons and daughters of Abraham. Change the world by faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Trust on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. As we sing this morning, this is our opportunity.